Welcome to Daring Two, a podcast that finds out how CEOs and entrepreneurs navigate today's business world, the conventions they're breaking, the challenges they've faced, and the decisions that they've made. And lastly, just what makes them different. Well, welcome to Daring Two. I'm absolutely thrilled today to have Lynn Franks, OBE, on um, our podcast. It's a unique honour, you know, having read about your background, Lynn, I am, you know, humbled to be having the opportunity to talk to you. But more importantly, I think just the opportunity for people around the world just to hear about your life, what you've done. And, And I think, like, the inspiration and aspirations that you can help other particularly women, but not just women around the world, to understand just what is possible. So thank you so much for joining for joining us today. Not only are you an OBE winner, you are an acclaimed author. We'll talk about some of the books that you've written and some of the titles, I think, sum it up as we go through this podcast. But I want to start with a, with a quote that, that, that struck me, that when reading about you, it kind of hit the heart, I think, of what you are about and about the belief and passion about just what's possible so you quoted you don't have to be a business to be an entrepreneur it's part of your spirit your passion to fulfill your life's purpose and manifest your dreams I don't know but it seems like that that's the core of what you've done over time would you say that you know that that quote that you have quoted about that it's part of your spirit I guess at a very early age, did you know that this was going to be your role in society to to be this massive influencer, change maker around gender equality, around the role that women have and just like the massive impact that society and and communities can play in, in creating a fairer societal base across the world? I mean, at 16, when you left school, did you go like, I just know what my life ambition is. I just know where it's going to take me. Tell Um, me. At this point in my life, when I'm in my early 70s, I still have no idea what my life ambition is. So I certainly didn't at 16. But like you, Rita, I'm uh, from a family of immigrants and my grandparents were immigrants. And um, I always had this enthusiasm and passion for new ideas. I also kind of always knew what was going to happen next I still do although I have to say Kobe got me a bit by surprise but generally I'm very intuitive about trends and how people particularly women want to live their lives how they want to work so when I first started working with women um, entrepreneurs when I wrote the seed handbook in 20 in 2000 I knew that more and more women would want to leave their corporate jobs and really start their own Sustainable businesses. Seed is an acronym for Sustainable Enterprise and Empowerment Dynamics, and that's then become a program which I've delivered all over the world. Really, uh, yeah. teaching how to start small sustainable businesses. So, um, no, I didn't know what I was going to do then, but I always knew that I was going to be enthusiastic about whatever it was. So, you know, I think there are lots of young women today, older women today, women of every generation who if they were looking back and saying, there you were at 16, you left school, like, you know, you studied to be um, a, uh, a short a, a typist, a shorthand typist. For those of, that, if those of you that are listening that don't even know what that is, trust me, it's like it was before you could text and all the rest of it. And it, and it required actually the ability 
to really know how to like think about letters and numbers. So I remember it. You may not, but if you don't, go back and look at it because it's actually, you know, it, it's the start of communication. But but you did that. But then at 21, you did something I would say at that time must have been seen as trailblazing. Did you know at 21, there you are, you get encouraged by somebody to start a public relations company and you do it at 21, you start your own company. Well, I don't I'll know. Tell you I'll tell you in your 20s, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like, how does that happen? I mean, at that time, women were like, I, you know, I, I can remember some of like myself growing up going like women, like my parents told me like, hey, you got to get a good education, get a good job. You'll find you a nice man, Indian man. You'll get married. You'll have babies. That'll be your life. I remember that. Like, really? That's my life. Uh, Why should I tell you? Um, tell me about uh, it. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, yes, I was actually studying to be a journalist, which is why I did shorthand typing. At that time, we didn't have computers. We had typewriters and shorthand was essential to make notes. And so I got a job as a, a young journalist working for a big mail order company, actually. And mm-hmm. I did a lot of training uh, through that of knowing how to write an article, how to interview people, how to write. How to write. Um, and uh, from there, I went to work. Actually, I can never remember which way around it was. I worked on Petticoat magazine, which was the first teenage girls magazine in the country. And I went in as a secretary and I worked with people like Janet Street Porter and Eve Pollard and others. Um, and I would write. By the way, icons too, right? So um, just to show just that the, I, I met, I just want to pause you there because people need to understand like that impact that you had at 21 to be working with people that were icons in that time, that's pretty special of what you brought to the table. Well, actually, I was younger than 21 when I worked for them, uh, or with them, rather. I was actually about 19. Um, and um, in those days, which was the late 60s, age wasn't really so much of an issue. I didn't go to university. I didn't even stay and do A-levels, and neither did a lot of people. And if you look uh, people like Richard Branson and quite a few other successful entrepreneurs, a lot of them, like me, left school at 16 in those days, which is just the way it was, because it was like we couldn't wait to get on with things. So uh, I worked as a young journalist. I worked with these women who are great friends of mine still. And um, I got a job in PR by default. I wasn't interested in being in PR. I couldn't get the right journalist job I wanted. Got a freelance uh, PR job found out what it was and thought I can do this really easily because it's about people it's about connecting communicating writing all the things that I love doing so um, I met Catherine Hamnett of course who's a wonderful design fashion designer at a trade show and she um, suggested that I become her PR agent and we were both 21 and she was going to pay me 20 pounds a week which she didn't even have and off I went. So very rapidly, I got a four young fashion clients and built the business up working from my kitchen table, which is how a lot of women start. So I knew when I started talking about seed and talking to other women about starting up from the kitchen table, exactly what that meant. I mean, I'm sitting at my kitchen table talking to you now and I've continually started new businesses from my kitchen table wherever I've lived, whether it's been L.A. or London or Spain, all the places I've traveled around in and and uh, had bases in so anyway so I started the PR business and because I did things differently and because I was so enthusiastic and passionate about what I did it built up very rapidly it seems at the time it was rapid and over 20 years 
we became um, the leading fashion PR agency, well, in the world, really. And in that time, I created London Fashion Week, the British Fashion Awards. I was also very involved in causes. I started what became the biggest AIDS awareness uh, mm-hmm. campaign, Fashion Cares, uh, which uh, which Mac Cosmetics took over and still runs. And um, I worked uh, for Human Rights Watch, doing a huge music campaign with artists like Bruce Springsteen and Peter Gabriel traveling the world. That was in the early 70s. I launched um, Green Consumer Week and uh, was involved in all sorts of really interesting um, causes and NGOs and things on environment, things on human rights, right back then in the early 70s. And I always said to my team, which grew quite rapidly to about 50 young people, that as much as we work for commercial companies, we were always going to be in that give back frame where we could work for causes that we really believed in uh, for free. And so that's what we did. It was always a balance. And I had a fantastic team of what appeared then to me to be very young. They were very young. They were from working class backgrounds, many of them. They were mixed race, all races, all genders. Um, And they were 17, 18, 19 kids that I met that I just felt had a real spark. And we're all in touch now. And majority of them have gone on to huge successes and of course now are in their 50s and early 60s and we're all still great friends and they all tell me that it was because I showed them they could do anything they wanted and we had young single mums all sorts of people that really didn't have a lot of opportunity in those days and I gave them that opportunity so now they say that's it was my belief in them being able to do anything that then gave them their belief in themselves, boys and girls, actually, men and women. And um, so uh, I suppose that's what I still do. I suppose that's one of my gifts is not only knowing what's going to happen next, but actually giving people, giving individuals that um, confidence and belief in themselves. And I still am doing it. I'm still coaching one-to-one top businesswomen. I coach uh, entrepreneurs, startups, community leaders, all women at this point. And I'm still doing the same thing. You know, that it's very easy for women particularly to lose their confidence and their sense of self, however they may look successful on the outside. So that's what I do. That's what I still do. Anyway, Where do you so think that- that's come from? Like, you know, I mean, like, no. <laughs> there are so many women and, like, and men, right, that, I mean, your achievements, like, Forget gender, forget the rest of it. I mean, your achievements have come from something inner inside of you that has said, I, I assume, I don't know, like, where did it come from? And like this, this ability to like convince people and like help actually help them to see just what is possible. Where, where do you think that came from? What was driving that for you, do you think? I don't know. I really don't know. In fact, when these, we've been having a lot of Zooms lately, myself and the various people that worked for me over that 20 yeah. years of the PR company. And when they tell me how I changed their life, I was I really very moved. I am very moved because I wasn't aware. I just saw this potential in them and I'd say, come on, let's do it. I still do it. I still have a young team here today in Somerset where I run this hub of a cafe and a store. All my seed uh, work that I've done for years has come together in a bu- two buildings, 500 year old buildings in a little town here. And now I'm online, of course, as everybody is. And I still see the potential in people. And I just, because I push myself and I just think that uh, everybody can do anything if we, if we, um, if we allow ourselves and give ourselves permission. So, you know, if I can do it and I left school at 16 and I've written books and I do write them myself and I am a writer, I write all the time. 
you know, then why can't anybody do it? That's how I look at it. So let's talk a little bit about like, you know, it's a bit of a bandwagon thing, right? I would say at the moment, right? A lot of companies say 10 years ago on and particularly in few, few, a few recent years have kind of jumped on the bandwagon of like, we're diverse and not just companies, societies, communities, like governments, societal institutions have like two things, I, I think. One, the heightened awareness of actual issues that are really important, gender issues, equality issues, societal's role, if you like, in building these communities and giving people that opportunity. I mean, you seem to have been able to sort of like weave that through the organisations that you've developed, the, the work that you do, whether that's with individuals or with communities or through the books and publications, right? I mean, you, you were doing that because it with real results I would say versus it being a lip service shall we say that you often see being played to issues of importance so Mm. as you look back now like what you've done where do you think we stand today on this stuff do you think that like there's there's a significant there's been a significant shift like we're right in the middle of these discussions that are happening right now um which you know are happening right now in COP26 like what do you I mean, what are you? I mean, are we really making progress? Like, have we made enough progress? Um, I don't think we're making anything like the progress we should be. If you look at most corporations, banks, etc., it's still a majority of white middle class men on the boards. If you look at governments, it's still the same. If you look at the people that have been speaking at COP on the official UN boards, whether it's our yeah. prime UK prime minister, the American president, whatever, it's still white middle class men. The most interesting um, speakers that I've seen on the news, because I'm not in Glasgow, because I knew it was going to be a bit of a nightmare, um, are the indigenous young women that have come over, particularly from the Amazon, who are very articulate and are telling their truth of what's going on over there. I think generally what I've seen of COP26, which as Greta Thunberg says and how can't believe people like Boris Johnson try and take it over, the blah, blah, blah. It's just a talk fest of people with um, personal interest, financial interest in wanting it to be a certain way. I mean, if you look at the private planes that have come in to Glasgow, that I think it was 47 limos that were following. But um, we're all interested Biden. in the economy, right? We're all interested in, sorry, the environment. The environment. And yeah, yeah. Yes. They forgot and, that bit. And it's been quite <laughs> shameful, really. Uh, Biden had 47 cars in his cavalcade. It's just unbelievable. And then you see these beautiful young women who have somehow managed to get the budget together to come over from the Amazon, where Brazil, Ecuador, Peru and so on, who then say beautifully and eloquently what's really going on in their countries and how their president, the president of Ecuador, may stand on the platform saying how he's doing so much for the environment. But the reality is, at the same time, he's selling off to the oil companies all the time. I've been out to Ecuador. I've seen it for myself. I've been with this particular young woman's people out there, the Atua people right in the middle of the jungle. I saw what was going on. That was that was 12, 15 years ago. I mean, I think it's um, so at grassroots, whether it's young, well, indigenous women of all ages or whether it's uh, women from all over the world of all ages. I mean, Greta Thunberg, let's look at her, 17 years old. What an extraordinary young woman. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're on the outside of the main hall 
yelling and trying to get in, I guess, and banging away. That's what I've heard from my friends who are there. And um, the so-called power of the patriarchal age of the corporations of the governments are all inside that hall. And it's lovely having Prince Charles feeling, um, which is to an extent, I suppose, from his perspective, uh, fair enough, that he's been been talking about this for 40 years and suddenly everybody else is talking about the same thing. You've got David Attenborough inside. I saw a picture of Charles this morning with uh, Stella McCartney, who as a fashion designer has been making, uh, has been very anti leather and making ecological clothes and accessories for a long time so good for her but there's still so inside the hall on the whole though it's still men and women that are there inside on the whole are also playing the corporate game so they are trying to get the banks to stop uh, financing fossil fuel that's a big move in the last two days that's great but it is still men so where are the women They are at grassroots, they're in communities, they're protesting, they're activists. They are coming together in collaborative ways all across the planet, whether it's Africa, South America, the UK, wherever it is, saying, what can we do in our community? And we have to do that. As far as I'm concerned, it will be women in leadership roles who will create the new future, a new future with a different kind of economy, a different kind of agriculture, a different kind of education. It will be from the women supported by beautiful men who understand it is time. The Dalai Lama is quoted as saying that the future of the world is in the hands of the women from the West. So we have to really come together in collaboration and do whatever we can, whether it's in our own street, our own town, our own village, our own country, and indeed the world. That's the way we're going to make the change. So there's some wonderful women constantly talking. Vandana Shiva, for example, she's an Mm -hmm. Indian woman. I'm sure you know of her. She's a professor. She's a scientist. And she... She is so she is so passionate and she doesn't take any rubbish from anybody. And she is doing um, seminars like every day I see her on something or other saying it how it is, how agriculture has to change, how the seeds for the very food that is being grown to put in children's mouths has to be done in a different way than being chemicalized by Monsanto and other companies. I mean, she is a powerhouse of incredible powerhouse. Um, still, I don't know how old Bandana is, probably early 70s, amazing. So for me, it's about the why, I mean, I'm in my early 70s too, and it's about the wise women, whatever age you are, 17 or 70, that actually are passionate and knowledgeable and will stand together and say, enough is enough, we have to create change, and this is the way we do it. And I want to give you a quote, which is actually from a wonderful man called Buckminster Fuller, who was a visionary architect Mm -hmm. and um, designer from America from the 30s and 40s, early 50s. And I quote this all the time, and it's very interesting for me that a lot of people are making the same quote, not because they've heard me say it, but because it's right for now. And it says, you never change things by fighting existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. So for me, that's what it's women have to do now. We have to, with the men, create a new model that makes the old model, the patriarchal greed and corruption that we're seeing on a daily basis, obsolete. And we're doing something that is about growing food for and for the children. Everybody that has got any sense is talking about building a future for the generations to come. And that's what our role is now as wise women. It's not about just this generation or even my generation. I mean, my generation is now really there to 
whole build the foundations for my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children and the seven seven generations to come is what the indigenous women always say and that's what we have mm-hmm. to do and it will be the women doing that um and there is no time left whether it's environmental whether it's gender equality of course we have to have gender equality it's ridiculous that we don't have it in this day and age um but i know also- about you but i'm not going to be i'm not going to be alive right when we actually get like pay equality and i've just said like i can't I can't wait that long, like for the next generation, because I won't be alive then, like, unless they um, develop well. this miracle drug that might keep me going. Um, you know, in my like early fifties, you know, it saddens me to think like we're still talking about pay equality in and like you know, and we're not going to achieve that for years to come. Well, and, it's and guys that are, yeah, it's not. Is it about pay equality? Isn't it about us being in charge of our own finances, earning our own money with our own businesses? I mean, I'm looking now at all sorts of ways of creating a new economy. And I'm talking to a lot of women right now of going back to a new economy based on the ancient. So whether it's barter, exchange, community currency, you know, the banks are going through a collapse. We've got money being printed left, right and centre by all the governments and to get through this current situation, which has mostly been about corruption anyway and how can we create a new financial economic model you know that i was on a conference at the weekend where um they were talking about gross national product uh, and gdp and like it's always been based on the profits of businesses what about what we're doing to the environment what about the people that are carers or in the home the the child carers whether they're men or women you know where's that on gdp so the whole thing of, of of the capitalist system has got to change and it is changing because it's collapsing. So when you talk to me about we have to have equal pay, no, we don't have to have equal pay. We have to have our own businesses, our own organisations. We have to have a different economy, a different way of working and a different way of uh, earning based on our true values and not exploitation by big corporations. I'm feeling very, very angry and political at the moment, as you would have gathered. Good for you, though. That's what we need to hear, right? Good for you. All the rubbish that goes on, you know, from... I mean, our own government, just pathetic. They sacked another minister today because of corruption. Uh, couldn't try and they tried to save him and his lies and they couldn't. I saw yesterday in the United States, the Republicans have come back into mm-hmm. power or coming that way because the Democrats haven't offered anything that has really got to people. And I, on the British TV news last night, they interviewed a lot of mums, mothers, white middle-class mothers mm-hmm. in the area of Virginia. And they felt that they were going to be protected more by this. This this guy had managed to convince them mm-hmm. it could be right. I don't know. We have to protect our own children. We have to take power in our own hands. Not think that these men are going to do it for us because they're not. So that's my feeling about it all. Over to you. So assuming we can move over from the um, a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, a man um, who created, who's very passionate about you know the role that women play. Um, uh, we were both on the executive team for a company and he turned around and he looked at the leadership team and he goes, if you look around, he said, this team is made up of male, frail, stale um, and pale, i.e. white, old, you said like men um, and like, you know, and we've got like the token or whatever we want to call it woman on and we need to change we need to change that narrative and and as an example he would refuse to be um on uh participate in a conference or a panel 
if there wasn't like equal representation, whether that be like women or like diverse groups or diverse ethnic groups. But we've been talking about this for a long time, right? So why is it like, you know, what advice have you got to give to say, like, let's own that future? We like the statistics tell us it all, right? We know women are have make most of the commercial decisions. They're actually not only running homes and families or on their own and in in you know in the developing markets we know that the pop the, the youngest population is going to come from the developing markets you know africa will have the youngest population of the world and many of those are women that are doing great things but their voices aren't being heard you know you're saying it's time to do that and you've managed to do you've managed to create that momentum so what do we do around this ecosystem that we know i think actually has been heightened through covid right a pandemic that hit the whole world that I think has brought societal issues to the surface to the extent like we can't ignore it anymore, right? We can pay lip service to it, but there is enough of a, a desire and a movement. And you've been like doing that, building that ecosystem, building that network through what you've been doing. What advice can you give to him to say like, let's build that ecosystem much, much stronger and much, much faster. Like what, what were the, some like, if you could say like, Three things or five things that I think if we just did individually or collectively, they might be really small things, but the, the effect, the multiplier effect is huge. What could they be? Okay, so the, you said a lot of different points there in one statement. First of all, why does it carry on the way it is with white, stale, pale men? Because they're the ones that invite in people that look like them, sound like them. That's what makes them comfortable. So if you are chairman of a board and you are retiring, the board and you will find somebody that is like yourself because that's what they do, because that's what makes people feel comfortable. That's number one. Number two, how can we change that? Well, women have to stand up and be seen and be heard and stay on track. Very, very important not to lose their confidence. How do we get that confidence? By supporting each other. Women have not got to not gossip, not go into competition, not feel that threatened by other women. They've got to know that we're all there for each other. And it's hard because women can be highly competitive. We're not perfect by any means. So we have to kind of let go of that. And uh, we have to realize that the only way forward is to do it together. And I work with uh, a program which I call the Power of Seven, which is based on seven archetypes, which are in all of us, um, for women, really. And it's Seed Sower, which is the idea side of yourself. Um, and uh, Alchemist, which is the transformational aspect yeah. of yourself that takes yeah. your dreams to reality. Medicine Woman, which is about the well-being of yourself and of the people and your project, people that you work with and people in your community. Storyteller, which is what we're doing now, is telling our stories whichever way we can, sharing them. Sky Stancer, which is about relationships and partnerships building up. Space Weaver, the inner artist and Wisdom Keeper, who holds the space. And those seven archetypes for me, which although ancient, totally relate to the modern world. So I'm building up uh, pods, as I call them. Of uh, Again, I've been talking about pods for years and suddenly this pod thing has come up of groups of seven women who can work together, taking those roles in that particular pod. And whatever women I meet, they always resonate more with one of those seven than the others, even though we've got all of them in. So I talk about me, we, us. And you start with me having alignment from those seven aspects of ourself, our spiritual self, our, our well-being self, our ideas. We get into harmony. 
And then we then get into a group of seven, a pod, to make changes in our community, work together in large corporations, supporting each other, which I've done in places like McDonald's, created that. Um, Or, uh, as I say, doing a business in your own community or a community initiative. And then us is when all these small pods share their stories and experiences and wisdom with each other. And then we can create societal shift. So me, we, us is about start with yourself because that's, if you're not in balance, you can't help anybody. And if you're not really focusing on your own well-being, then we is the group of seven. And then us is how we spread that out to create a societal shift that you're talking about from community to community, from pod to pod. Now it's a big dream and I've had it for a long time and I teach workshops on it all the time and I do coaching on it. And, um, you know, if anybody's listening to this and wants to know more, they can find out. They can look up Lynn Franks very easily and find me. So that's how I'm doing it. Also, I believe in a cooperative society. I've written about that many years ago, which is about cooperation between men and women, cooperation between the human race and the environment, cooperation between the young and the old, between science and spirituality, between governments and NGOs, non-governmental organizations, through business and and civil society. So it's really, we do not have a cooperative society. We have a society based on greed and power still and corruption. So we, as women, have to stand up whatever way suits us if we feel like going on a protest march go on a protest march we feel like just talking about it in a cafe to a couple of our friends just do it that way but we need to wake up we need to become conscious and we need to raise our vibration because our spiritual vibration whatever our particular belief system is is very important part of all this so it's about keeping that essence aside that really alive i'm a buddhist i chant twice a day um, and that, for me, keeps me totally in harmonious balance with everything I'm doing. So I think it's an important thing that it doesn't all go in the head, but it comes from the heart. So I keep talking about how we have to live from love, not fear, because we live in a society which is fear induced, whether you turn on the TV news like I do or whether you open a newspaper, it's you're going to get COVID, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. It's all fear, 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 fear. Now we're all wearing masks and no one can even see each other. It's another good thing about Zoom. So we have to come out of that fear state and be in a love state. And that's it. Women, men, children, animals. So I think the power of seven is quite interesting, right? So I'm going to come back to it because I think, listeners, if you didn't like take that in, those seven elements, go back and listen to them. Because I think what you just described right now actually uh, I, you know, I put it in the commercial context. I put it in the societal. I'm a massive believer that organisations can be have social impact and make money and be profitable, and that the two are good, right? And uh, that the two, if you do them right, rather than just doing them lip service, you can create. Some, but those seven that you just described, and that I really do encourage, go back and listen to them, play each one, and stop it, pause it, and listen to it again. You ought to me, you described. They can be found on my website as well. You can find them. Of course, and we'll come back. We'll we'll definitely um, show that and give them the details for that at the end. But you've really articulated, I think actually, it feels like what leaders need to have is the capabilities that they bring to the table today, don't they? Whether they're government leaders, whether they're leaders of big corporations, aren't they like, you know, I'm kind of like hearing about this is the new leadership competency that somebody needs to have, or this is the new leadership skill. I mean, you just described seven attributes that actually need to embody, whether you're a woman leader in the home, whether you're 
a male leader of one of these massive corporations that, by the way, if you are a leader and are listening and you are, you have a much bigger role to play today and people are wanting you to play a bigger role, if you're listening CEOs, around having a societal voice. Those seven elements, to me, describe what an organisation should embody. Not just a leader, but an organisation, whether it's a community. Or, I mean, it's a pretty powerful concept. Yeah, that, that is. As you say, that and true leadership, true leadership and the future is not about the traditional way we have now of the up and then it goes down in a linear sense. For me, true leadership is about circular, everybody, everybody in a leadership role, but doing their role as a leader. So it's really about helping the, the holding it from the bottom. True leadership is holding from the bottom and supporting other people on their way up, the, particularly young people. That's true leadership. And uh, we've, you know, if you look at tribal elders and in, again, indigenous, yeah, yeah. yeah, they bring it together, uh, right? It's an ecosystem. You know, they, they are, especially the women, they are not there to create some kind of powerful role for themselves. They are there to hold up the tribe. And that's uh, an enabler, yeah, enabler, right? It's the enabler well, system. Yeah. Lynn, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah. there's so much that we can cover. And I'm conscious that we're probably going to have to like bring it to a close. But I'm almost like in my head, I'm already going to the podcast that we should be doing on each one of those seven elements and how, like, what a woman can do. And not just women, guys, you listen to and young people, whatever age, like across the world, if you just took each one in core, like, I mean, God, I mean, there's so much to be, like, nurtured from that. Like, my God, like, yeah, I have to, like, hone it in. So I would say, like, I'm conscious, like, we, as much as I want to continue, we we do need to kind of think about wrapping this up. And and we haven't even touched on all the books that you've written. I want to know why why the titles were the titles that you gave them. So uh, uh, two questions to end on. One is the titles of your books have had, they're very powerful in the statement that they make. Did you think, so question one, did you, were you purposeful in thinking about the titles of the books that you, what women want, right? And like, and yeah, like the kind want, of thing need. I didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't uh, write a book. The, the conference that you, the conferences the and conference, the events, yeah. sorry, that you, like, that, that anything that you have done and how you have framed it has had a very powerful overarching message it's like it's it's bang in your face and if you don't see it i don't know how you miss it right um like has that been conscious question one last question to end on is what i ask everybody that's been on this podcast this is all about daring to right daring to is about daring to be different daring to challenge daring to write rip up the rule books and actually as you put it i think really eloquently it's not about creating and trying to improve what we had. It's about creating something new, right? It's about creating that new vision. So what's your daring to moment, desire, or aspiration? Those are the last two questions. What's my daring to? Okay, so um, the first what, the first question is, do I deliberately brand my books and my conferences uh, on something that is going to have effect? Of course I do. Of course I do. So I'm a PR person by by trade. So I, I think branding, and when I write a book, the title is the first thing I think of, and then I write the book around that. So that is, thank you for asking me, though, that is important. Absolutely Now, uh, which I wrote in my first book, Grow, 
which is an acronym for Gorgeous Real Original Woman. It's a modern woman's handbook. Anyway, oh. Bloom. They're all, they're all, a lot of them are based around the metaphors of uh, planting seeds and gardens. So I, I, that's all my work start around that, really. And then what is my, what was the question? What, daring what do- to, you're daring to, whether it's for you personally or for somebody else. Like, what are you, what are you, what's your daring to moment of like, either, it could be something that you've done. In the could future, it could have been something that you've done. It could have been in the past or the future. Whatever, like, hits you, like, in the know. soul I mean, that goes. I, I, there isn't one thing. I mean, you know, I think of something and I do it. And uh, and then afterwards I think, oh, my God, that was a bit stepping into the uh, abyss. But, um, you know, I've been on a couple of – I've been on an, Ameri- um, an English re- uh, reality show. That was something I never should have done. And uh, that was stupid. Um, I bet but you I didn't... they were all like, like they like gain so much from having you on that I can just see it like it would have been fun and challenging and you would have like pushed them out of their comfort zone and said yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. your thing is you're not in control on those things because it's all produced but um I, I I don't think there's anything I mean I've still got lots more to do even at my age I'm, I'm looking at how we can create a new feminine-led economy which is really the biggest dream I've got right now which would be digital and how we can do that so I'm working with some women on that um, you know, I, I I just push myself ahead all the time and do crazy things and afterwards think, what the hell was I doing? But I get these ideas. I want a women's radio station. I think there really needs to be one. I used to chair one. You did. Cool vibe, right? Yeah, nice. and I'd love to see one now, which is global digital women's radio station. There isn't one, and I think there's a real need, something that could work in Africa and all over the world, really. Um, so those are ideas I still want to make happen um and uh so yeah nothing left you know I, i've done a number of um uh trainings where i've pushed myself to my limit you know jumped off telegraph poles at 60 feet in the air with right. just a harness on i've done all that so i know that i'm pretty uh i would say i'm pretty fearless i guess and and uh and do crazy things all the time and what a great like End statement. Women, if you're listening, men, if you're listening, it's about being fearless, being crazy, and pushing the limits. So, if people want to know more about you, Lynn, how can they get in touch? What's your website? What's you know, um, if you're yeah. on Twitter or LinkedIn, what is the yeah. best way to like connect and be part of this this movement? Well, uh, my website is lynnfranks.com, which is L-Y-N-N-E, lynnfranks.com, and you can get hold of me there. And it's details about Power of Seven are there. I am on Twitter. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on Telegram. You name it, you can find me. I'm not hard to find. But the best place you can find me really is uh, probably through my website at limfranks.com. Awesome. And and listeners, um, if you want to find out more about DARE and what we're doing and some of the work that we have been um, focusing on, which is all around daring to be different daring to challenge daring to create new you can find us at www.dareworldwide.com you can get in contact with us on linkedin you can contact me at rita underscore trahan at twitter um we've got some really exciting research that we've just done and that we're sharing and and it reminds me of a book that i read um to end this um podcast on which was about dead aid about all of the aid that's given through um, organisations, international organisations around the world, it's written by a young woman um, about actually it isn't about just giving economic developing markets money. It's about helping them to grow businesses, helping um, create the economy. It's called dead aid. And there's a quote in there 
um, it's unknown, and it said the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Uh, the best time was to, to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Maybe now is the best time to plant the new trees. It's something like that. Um, but basically it was saying, you know, we may have thought of this a long time ago and never really nurtured it, but let's get on and do it right. Let's get where we know we want to go and build a society that we want generations to be part of in the future. Lynn, um, I am inspired in awe. What can I say? Thank you so much well, for being a guest. Thank you very today. much for having me here. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Enjoyed the conversation? Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes of Daring 2. Also, check out our website, dareworldwide.com, for some great resources around business in general, leadership, and how to bring about change. See you next time.